right, welcome to episode 62 of the Bobbycast. Our sponsors are... Ah, oh, yes. Sleep Number, yep, and Blue Apron. Sometimes I like to lay in my sleep number and eat my Blue Apron, yep. If only we could get Netflix as a sponsor, Mike D. I could have all three at once. Sleep Number and Blue Apron and watch my Netflix. Carly Pierce is here. Hi, Carly. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Man, let's see. So, the last time we saw each other was... You came to my stand-up comedy show in Nashville. I did. And then you got up and played. I did. And then I think the guitar we gave you was broken or something. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out if it was in standard tuning or not. Well, it was all my fault, too. And I was like, I was like, all right, come up. You know, come to the show because you're coming out on the road. I was like, just so you can see what it is. It's mm-hmm. a theater show. And I was like, Carly Pierce, come up and sing a song. And you get up to play. And I, and I gave you Eddie's guitar and I didn't tell you anything about it. It's so old. Ugh, I felt so bad. But the good news is you still killed it. And everybody walked away like, dang, that girl's good. After the second time, after I had to, you know, like, Nobody, restart. You're following me. <laughs> like, I have my guitar. Like, you have nothing to worry. You're actually good. So I'm glad you're here. There are a few things I want to talk to you about. First of all, we're going to come back around to the song at the end. But Carly has a song right now. Depending on when you hear this. You may hear this in a year, and she may be on her third number one single by the time. This is a song right here we're going to get to in a minute. I remember every little but what we do on this podcast, it's different than our radio interview because we have time to talk. And sometimes I like to talk about some of the stuff that maybe you wouldn't talk about in a radio interview. Because people that listen to this, I bring a lot of songwriters on, and they don't really get to talk on the radio that much. But I want to hear the stories about things that really maybe people don't think are that interesting, which I find fascinating. So first, I want to talk about your move to Nashville. Because people, a lot of people listen to this go, hey, I'd like to move to Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, what do people actually do when they move to Nashville? They literally pack up their car and get an apartment. And then, So I want to talk about your move to Nashville. So start me, uh, how old were you? Well, I, I quit high school just to take it a little bit back. I, I quit high school at 16 because I saw an audition for Dollywood and asked my dad and convinced him to let me quit high school and start homeschooling so that I could take a job working in the country show. Okay, hold on a minute. Before we go any further, that man, I got a lot of questions from that. So were you performing at home? I, I grew up singing and always knew that I wanted to do that. Um, and they knew you wanted to do that? They, they did my whole life. What kind of student were you? I was a really good student, and I loved school. But that helps you quit, though. It, and yes. and, I, and I, I want you to listen to me, because usually it's... Any of my friends that ever quit school, they weren't good students. Right. And they, their parents are like, you can't quit because you have to get your... But if you're a really good student, and you're really smart, mm-hmm. like, hmm, well, she's really smart... So she must be wanting to quit for a reason. Is there truth to that with your parents? Do they think she wouldn't quit unless she really knew what she wanted to do? Totally. I was the student that never missed any homework and was always there on time, didn't want to miss. I loved school. And so they knew it wasn't me trying to find some kind of like outlet just to quit. And my dad was crazy enough to let me take the summer going into my sophomore year to find a homeschooling program. And I quit. Take me to that conversation. I looked at him and I said, Dad... I think I want to quit high school because I saw an audition for Dollywood. Like, not even kidding you. Straight out of Kentucky. Like, that is a Kentucky story. And my dad looked at me and was like, no. (laughs) And I said, just give me the summer to find a homeschooling program that will get me into college and is reputable and you won't have to do anything. You won't have to teach me. And just let's leave it at that. And so he's like, okay. But I don't think he really thought I was going to do it. And a couple weeks later, I found this online schooling that was just like a college and I showed it to him, and he was like, all right, you, all right. So I went and auditioned and got the job and moved to uh, Pigeon Forge. 
So when you're 15 years old, are you kind of the big deal around the small town because you were really good for your small town? Of course. You know, it's like the stereotypical big fish in a small pond. So I was the only one that sang and everybody knew me as the singer. So I I was feeling like, oh, I'm going to go to Dollywood. I'm going to work for a year and then I'm going to move to Nashville and be a star. Were you Carly Pearson? Is Is that your name? I was. So my last name is actually Slusser. And I, my grandparents are really close to me and I wanted to pay tribute to them because Slusser does not sound very good. And, uh, I took my grandfather's name, Pierce. So, so it's in the family. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my last is not Bones. My last name is Estel. And right. it didn't sound good. Like, hey, here's Bobby Estel. <laughs> uh, so Pierce isn't in your name at all. No, it's my but grandfather's it. name. That's cool. My mom's maiden name. Your, is your grandfather alive? What? He's not, but he is. If you follow my story at all, I have red feather tattooed on my on my arm just for him. He was uh, probably the closest person to me and uh, died of cancer, but always knew I wanted to do this music thing and always believed in me and didn't get to see it, but I, I know that he sees it. How old were you when he died? 18. Okay, so he he got to see you move away and actually pursue a dream then. He did. He, he actually, he had a lot of... Um, health problems, but he made it to Pigeon Forge to see me sing right really? before he died. Mm-hmm. Right before he died, like two months before. How special is that memory? Amazing. Yeah. And he always knew I was going to go to Nashville. He, he was like, I, I, I have no fear that you're going to, that you're going to go there and it's going to be fine. Where in Kentucky did you grow up? It's called Taylor Mill. It's uh, right outside of Cincinnati, actually, but it's a super small town. There were 80 people in my graduating high school class. It's about like my town. There were 60 in mine. So oh, wow. In yeah. Arkansas. I would assume they're very, very similar. Uh-huh. So when you went to town, where mm-hmm. would you go? Um, Skyline Chili. Have you ever had it? No. <laughs> we had one stoplight and like one super small uh, shopping center. And Skyline Chili is really big in Cincinnati area. And so after football games, we would go either to the Skyline or the Subway. Or we had an Oriental Walk, which was like a big deal. That was fancy. Was that in Cincinnati, though? That was in Kentucky. That was in Taylor Mill. Okay, so if you had to... But did you guys have a Walmart? You couldn't have a Walmart, no, right? No. So if you had to go to Walmart and groceries, where would you go? We had a grocery store. But if we wanted to go to the Walmart, we'd have to go to uh, Covington, which was the nearest city. Like a suburb of mm-hmm. Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. So you grow up in Kentucky. You're a teenage kid. You're singing. Were you doing all the school stuff? Were you, if it was a thing at school, were you one of those kids? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I, I really had a lot of friends in school. I was a cheerleader, but I always would pick music over everything. And so my friends, I would drag them. I sang bluegrass a lot growing up, too. And so I would drag them to all these different festivals and things that I was singing at. Uh, so I was juggling both at the same time, but everybody knew that I wanted to do music. So you go to your dad and you say, Hey, I, want, I don't know the story of your parents. Um, mm-hmm. Where is your mom? Is she, is she alive? Oh yeah. She's there too. She's looking at me like I'm an idiot too at that time. <laughs> but I mean, they really, they always were like the perfect, I always say that my parents were, I'm very close to both of them and they were the perfect balance of being supportive uh, and always giving me an opportunity to do music, but also were not ever going to push me to do it. Uh, they wanted me to figure that out on my own. Were they musical? They can sing, but they would never tell you that. Would they sing in church or sing around the town? Mm-hmm. So you would see them sing, though. I they loved music. I more they sang growing up, but my grandparents sang and they played banjo and. Uh, oh really? Yeah. So they loved music, but I come from a family of all music lovers, so music was like a big part of our family. Okay, so you say, I want to quit school. Mm-hmm. 
Did you practice your speech? Because I just think of me like at prom asking a girl and being like, I had this whole plan thing and I knew how, and it just didn't go near as I had planned. So did you have a like? Did you write down your speech? Did you plan it out in your head? I just went to him and kind of gave him the if if any of the girls out there they know being the only daughter and I'm the only child just kind of looked at him and was like, Dad, you know this is what I've always wanted and he he did he just knew I think he knew that conversation was going to happen at some point. Um, I don't think that he probably thought it was going to happen at 15, but that's when it happened. So, Dollywood. Where did you see the ad, though? In the newspaper? The Cincinnati newspaper. And the ad said what? Uh, Looking for Dollywood entertainers. And I loved Dolly Parton growing up, and so I'm like, I want to do that. So I looked on the website, and it was they had different shows, and it was similar to uh, Kings Island in Cincinnati, which is like a theme park. But this was all country show. Had you been to Dollywood ever? Yes, okay. as a kid. Uh, so I, I looked and saw when the audition was and took my guitar and went and sang a couple songs and did a little dance number because obviously, I mean, it's theater at the end of They're the day. They're looking for entertainers. They are looking for entertainers, yeah, not just You need singers. to be Justin Timberlake at Dollywood exactly. in order to get the job. Mickey Mouse Club. And I auditioned and moved as soon as I got my license. My mom actually moved with me. For the first year that I was there, because I was I couldn't get a place oh, you're by a myself. Minor. Yeah, I'm 16. Wow, I look just, at these parents. I know that she was crazy, and now I think about it. You know, looking back, and I'm like, I can't believe that they did that because my parents are still married, um, and my grandpa was sick at the time, and my dad just started taking care of him so that my mom could take me, and my mom and I moved into a one bedroom, one bathroom, grizzly bear decorated condo. With a jacuzzi tub in the bedroom. Dang, you guys were ready to rock, huh? Really You're awesome. ready to party, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, it was awesome. You move to... Oh, I want to know about this audition. What do you do? You're 16, mm-hmm. you go... And I'm sure there are other kids everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, I when I got the job, I was the youngest by at least five years. So, I mean, it was pretty much adults that were there. Uh, but they put you in a room and you have to learn a dance number and then you sing a couple songs that they had picked off of a list and I brought a guitar just to be like hey I can hold a guitar and play did they let you play it? yeah mm-hmm. is it judge? I'm just picturing American Idol and there's like some British country guy <laughs> and there's Paul Abdul country and there's Randy like who's judging you? Uh, the guy that was in charge of the uh, entertainment so just one guy? just one guy and his assistant mm-hmm. so you go up and what do you sing? I sing a Emily Lou Harris song called Wayfaring Stranger and then I sang a Dolly song sang Jolene does everybody sing a Dolly song? probably yeah. I mean, I at least of, the girls yeah exactly uh, I heard a lot of people singing Dolly but what's funny is when I worked at Dollywood I didn't sing any Dolly really? Mm-mm. yeah that's kind of weird yeah it was weird so you go you're 16 you get the job Do they? how long until you finish performing do they call and say you got the job because that that is going to tell you if you move and quit school or not. Right? I know. And I was like, I got to know soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was like maybe two weeks. And I got it was that call. long? Yeah, I had to wait that long. And so I'm like freaking out. I don't know. You know, it was the summer. Uh, and they called me and they told me that I got the job. And so we're scrambling to figure out, you know, where we're going to live and all that stuff. And really, as soon as I got my license, I started rehearsals and just walked in and was kind of like, Hey, and everybody now tells me that was in my cast. They were like, "Yeah, we were really upset that we were getting a 16-year-old because they were all older than me." But we ended up just being like a little family. So you were the new kid. Mm-hmm. Were you the only new class kid that came into that cast? Everybody was new. Uh, 
put together a couple people had been there before just working in different shows but uh i was the baby baby of the of the group and kind of was intimidated because i was used to being around high school kids and these are all college or above. Was that a bad influence for you looking back? Like you have a bunch of 20, 21, 22, you know, they're drinking. Here you uh-huh. are 16. Yeah. Like that's probably not the best environment for a 16 year old, is it? Probably not. But I, I feel like I really did get around a lot of people who were like big brothers and big sisters to me. They knew I was super young and I didn't hang out a lot with them outside of work uh, because I feel like they knew that I was really young and they didn't want to do that so were they all aspiring musicians too like everybody that's kind of a a step you know of because it's like in our world first of all the steps are like this for some artists the most common steps are you put your music on spotify itunes wherever you just put it Mm -hmm. then you try to get on satellite then you try to get on the radio that's kind of the jumps Mm -hmm. friends come and i have other friends went to dollywood and they you know they moved they did dollywood then they came to town and they were a songwriter. Then they tried to make as an artist. And they tried the other steps. Were all the other people that were there doing the same, trying the same path you were? That's what's crazy. And I always tell people, I, so I was in Pigeon Forge for two years. And it, for me, would have been very convenient for me to just stay there. Um, to answer your question, yes, a lot of everybody goes there thinking of it as a stepping stone. But never leave because it's... You're singing every day. You kind of have like a little weird community of, of fans that recognize you, and you're kind of really? yeah, you're kind of like pigeon. There are Dollywood royalty. groupies. Oh my god, so many, yeah, Dang. so many Dollywood and like pigeon forge, just groupie oh, love. You, you know, you're on billboards, and I thought that was so cool. You're on a billboard on billboards. I still think that's cool. I've been on a few, right? But that's, yeah, it's, uh, billboards are cool. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people moved there wanting to eventually go to Nashville, but very few have gone. And I'm so interested in this cult. It's weird because in, in a good in a good kind of way, but you do become it's a, your own environment. A hundred percent. It's just like the Nashville community or bubble. Everybody hung out that was in all the different shows that were in Pigeon Forge, and um, you knew that. I mean, I knew so many people that were like, "Oh yeah, we're eventually going to move," and they're still at Dollywood, which is awesome and great. But um, I knew after being there for two years that I was kind of just going to coast and never grow. You didn't feel challenged at all? Yeah, I I, I had done pretty much everything that I could do over there. Because really, at the end of the day, you're an impersonator. You just are. You're not you as an artist. Were you the best? Nah, don't look away and smile. Like, it's okay to say, like, did you feel, because I feel like I'm the best. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I do, I feel like I am the best. Mm-hmm. And I have to feel that way. And I have to have an ego to do the job that I do. Because if I didn't, if I was like, I'm third best, mm, I'm never, all people listen to me, I'm only third. You have to feel like you're the best. So you felt like you were the best there at Hollywood, right? I'm sure that I did, yes. I'm sure that there was a part of me, I, to answer that, I knew I was good enough to go to Nashville. I knew that I wasn't supposed he to He thought stay you were the best. There. You broke eye contact when I asked you that I question. Oh man. It's okay. It's a, <laughs> I, I'll get the truth out of you. So you're there, and you went at 18 or so. You decided to go to Nashville because mm-hmm. you were an adult then, and you actually could do adult things. Exactly. So in January of 2009, I moved and made the jump. So you moved to Nashville, and and again, that's what this whole first part of this is about: is about people listening. Like, how do people actually move to Nashville? Mm-hmm. Your story goes through Dollywood. So you moved to Nashville. Does your mom go back to Kentucky? My parents 
decided to split time because I didn't really know very many people in Nashville and I was scared (laughs) and I'm an only child. And so they kind of split time with me and wanted me to be able to focus on music. So they moved and my dad's company is actually in Nashville. They moved here? They did. So you went from having one of them, you got both of them? I got both of them, but my dad traveled so much that it still felt like it was one. Uh, So they were there with me for the majority of the first couple of years that I was there, just trying to make the transition. And I was... Did you live with them? I did. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Did they pay your bills and stuff? They did. Oh, my. Why are people so lucky? Mike, we didn't get this lucky. <laughs> we had to go out. Wow. So you had your parents... That- but it gets pretty... Sad. My story, you'll see. It, it catches up. I need some up. sadness. You got to give me something. Well, so I moved... Hold, hold on. Before you do that, let me yeah. talk about... Before we get sad, I got to do a sponsor yep. thing here. Let me talk about sleep number for a second. So we do this show from my house. You've heard me talk about my sleep number bed and... Where we're located in my house is actually one door away, so probably 20 feet from my sleep number bed. I do love the bed. It has a sleep IQ score. I have a sleep number setting. It's two things. That, that's why the bed is so awesome because it is a bed for you, and maybe you've considered a sleep number bed, but you wanted if you could afford one. Right now, the best time to go in is right now. The semi-annual sale where Queen C2 mattresses, six ninety nine ninety nine. Let me talk about the sleep number. I went into the store. I laid on the bed. I said, I'm looking for a new bed. They said, how about this one? I said, cool. Found the one that I liked. I laid on it. Then a computer screen that showed me my back and my neck and my legs, and it shows you your body and how it, and they they give you the number that's right for you. My sleep number setting is 30. My sleep IQ score last night was 94. I slept so good. You'll find any of the sleep number beds at 550 sleep number stores nationwide. Find the nearest one. If you want to call 800 next bed, you can, and be sure to tell them you heard it here on the Bobbycast. I love my sleep number bed. Okay, so, okay. I'm just kidding about the sadness stuff. Don't feel like you have to make something up. Oh, I won't make okay. anything up. All right. So you moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Did, what kind of apartment did you guys get or a house? Where did you move to? We got a house in almost White House, so almost into Kentucky. It was very far away. That is far. Yeah, like past um, Goodlettsville, past Hendersonville. And you were 18, right? Mm-hmm, 18. So what do you do when you move to Nashville? Do you, you just start finding like-minded people and going, do you want to write a song? I would... There, there was a, an Italian restaurant in Hendersonville that had an open mic night, and so I would play there on Mondays. This is so a good story. It's like right? the, so the, what everybody does So story. the thing. Yeah. And then I figured out, I met a few songwriters in town and really was lucky to get plugged in pretty fast. Um, Pat Higdon at Universal, he was at Universal at the time running it, uh, took an interest in me and wanted to start working with me, so I kind of got... Um, into the Nashville community pretty fast within the first year. So I thought in my head, oh, this is going to be fine. I'm going to be famous in a year and had a lot of label showcases prematurely. Um, Meaning you weren't ready? When you say prematurely, what, what, define that. I thought I was ready at 19. And of course, of course you think you're ready. You always are going to think you're ready. Um, but now looking back at it, I think that what has been my struggle, I've been here eight years before anything really took off for me like it has in the last six months. Um, but I think people got a first, you only get your first impression once. And I think if I would have taken maybe a couple years to develop that I would have had a better shot. It wouldn't have taken maybe eight years for people's opinions to maybe turnaround of what they thought I was. They just, they, they never could get that 19 year old girl out of their head. If that makes sense. So, 
you're 19, you're playing in front of, you're trying to get a label deal, you're trying mm-hmm. to get a recording deal now. Immediately. While you're writing songs. Yeah. What would you tell an 18 or 19 year old now doing the same thing? I think, don't rush the process. God, it's so easy to say, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm, I was the same way as you. It was yeah. Like, I was 17, 18 years old. Like, I know it all. Here we go. Let me go. Let and me I, go. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, and I feel so motherly when I say that, but it, it really is... Take your time and develop as a human being. I mean, 19 to... that That's such a young age. And sometimes it works out for people. And obviously we have people in our format that started super young and are superstars. Um, but I think personally for me, and if I was going to tell like a student at Belmont, I would just be like, take the time and, and don't think that you don't have time. Because you really... Not saying that your opinions can't uh, be the opinions of people in town can't be changed, but it's just going to be a lot harder for you. I think internally, if you put that kind of pressure of like, I have to get it now, 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 now in the first year that I move here, instead of being like, what do I want to say? Who am I as a person? What is my lane? You know, it's going to be crazy in 10 years when you go, I really know what I was doing 10 years ago. Oh, I know. That's what we all, it's a, yeah. it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. 10 years from now, I'll be like, I was the biggest idiot 10 years ago. <laughs> I know what I was doing. Now I do. And the 10 years after that, I'll be like, man, I didn't know what I was doing 10 years ago. So how many times, because this is fascinating to me being here, is that I see people get to be the shiny toy sometimes two and three times. Like oh, yeah. they'll get their shiny toy moment and then it goes away and they, they didn't quite flourish the way they had hoped. But time and uh, the learning and more a, different, a shift in management's all mm-hmm. around. How many times were you the shiny toy do you felt like? Like, it's like boom, 18, 19. Oh, yeah, for Did sure. Did you have another spot in the middle between – the last year and a half and the 18, 19 year old? Yeah, I, I had a developmental record deal on Sony in, when I was 22. And I think, you know, you immediately get put into uh, song plugger meetings where all the people are pitching you great songs and you see your name on a pitch sheet, which for people that don't know what that is, it's, you know, you see your name next to Kenny Chesney or something looking for songs for your album and, and people answer your emails and come to your shows and think you're awesome. But then, you know, my person at the label got let go. And the minute that that happened, whole town turned. And so you were part of that person. So when they were let go, so were were you. Mm -hmm. Wow, so you went through two shiny toy phases. I did. So you're in town. Let's go back to being 19 mm-hmm. or so. Uh, you're writing a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. You're trying to do your... Th- Are you working other jobs? I, I worked a couple of retail jobs at the Opry Mills Mall. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You and a lot of my other friends. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I worked at The Loft and I worked at Banana Republic. What'd you do? <laughs> you worked at Banana Republic? I sure did. <laughs> That's funny. Worked in the um, dressing room at both places. Super glamorous. Every time I go by, I'm like, oh my God. I always wonder, do you think the whole time you're doing it, are you like, man, I know I'm going to make it? Yeah. Like, I'm just doing this right now, and it's just going to be part of my story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was always the intention, I think. Who was in your class of people that kind of came to town? Because, and everybody goes and succeeds at different levels mm-hmm. and years. And But who was, when you moved to town, who were the other people that had moved to town around the same time? I had a group of friends we played a lot pretty much every weekend at a place that's no longer there called hotel indigo uh we played writers rounds and it was me and casey musgraves and john and tj osborne and lucy silvis Cree harrison that was kind of the group that i 
came up with that I played with all the time. And now, you know, it, like you said, people go faster and you see your friends go up and I've had other friends. I've watched them go up and come down and, and you just never know what's going to happen. You know, Natalie Hemby was in the same chair. We were talking about that and she was like, you know, I've seen friends go all the way up and then come all the way back down to even below where they were when we met. Yeah. And she was like, it's really giving me a respect of that you go when you're meant to go. And yeah. if you go later, that's okay. Right. Because some of the, you know, she wanted to be a recording artist. Mm-hmm. And she moved to L.A. And then she, you know, found her spot where she, and by the way, she's one of my favorite people. She's like, so good. Like, she's awesome. And yeah. if you listen to this, you should go listen to, not you, you too. But I'm going to go You should go listen to, to it too because yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> but she talks about that too. Like, you can't look at other people going up and go, oh my goodness, I'm not as good as them. Mm-hmm. Because they can be back, way back down when you finally get your shot. For sure. And Was I think it frustrating to you to see them go up? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it was difficult because they were my friends. And obviously, I thought they were all amazing. But yeah, you start to completely compare yourself and wonder why it wasn't you. And then you get in your head and social media doesn't help. And and you you have to kind of step out of that and understand that everybody everybody's plan is different. And you can't constantly... but this town is so small and we're all friends and we're all trying to kind of get those certain spots that a label has. And, um, so yeah, there are only so many, yeah, there are only so many spots. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What do you do? You know, you're 22, 23, 24. Like, what mm-hmm. do you do? How do you keep yourself sane? Well, after I, after I lost my developmental deal, I obviously thought about moving home. Plenty of people in the industry, very and I've been very uh just open about the fact that I was told to move home I was told I was old news I would uh leave meetings and keep face just long enough to get in my car and just ball or make it home and start crying and wonder I looked at apartments in Kentucky oh. my hometown and my best friend from home she cried and she was like you can't I will not let you move home and I'm like I I think I have to be done and I had to take a job cleaning Airbnbs, and I nannied, and that was kind of what I juggled for a year and a half, and I was depressed and just didn't know what I was going to do, uh, and randomly got called to be a backup singer in Lucy Hale's music video, <laughs> Pretty Little Liars Girl. Oh, I know Lucy. You, yeah. Yeah. And so I go, and <laughs> my dream was always to sing at the Grand Ole Opry. And her music video was being shot at the Opry. And I remember being like, wow, this definitely isn't how I thought I was going to stand on the Opry stage for the first time. (laughs) So I'm standing off to the side and I'm like, what is happening? Like, is this what you're, what is this? And just being the kind of, I don't know, fearless girl that I was, I walked straight up to her tour manager and I said, you know, I'm still taking meetings and nobody's calling me back and I'm still writing songs, but just really lost and I just said hey if you ever need a backup singer for real let me know why would they need a backup singer nobody has female backup singers just because anymore you know budgets don't really call for those anymore and two weeks later I'll never forget it I was nannying and her tour manager called me and he said hey can you fly out to LA for um, a couple months and do some shows with us and TV and I was like yes quit my nanny job that day and just 
was like, you, you know what? You left a baby? You left a baby? I left behind. a baby right there. I'm just kidding. No. No, I mean, I did quit. I was like, <laughs> That's I all love I heard, y'all. Dude. There's a kid that she loved that she just left behind. <laughs> I left wow. her. Bye-bye. So you quit your nanny job. Quit my nanny and job. And you went on the road with Lucy? So I was on, I'll never forget being on an airplane, going to LA and thinking, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And again, so many people in the town were like, you are going to have the kiss of death of your career as a solo artist because you're going to go be a backup singer. And I was just like, you know what? I want to ma- I want to feel music again. And I really do think that that experience helped me to fall back in love with music. I was part of something that felt like a family and I felt like I was respected. And she, I, I made it a point to not tell her I was an artist and she YouTubed me and she came to me during rehearsals and she was like, why are you singing backup for me? I looked at your videos online. And so I told her my story and, you know, the power of social media and the power of somebody like that, just starting to, she really was so kind and wanted to make her fans aware of me as an artist. What a great move to not tell her you're an artist though, because I'm going to tell you, as soon as someone comes up to me yeah, and I deal with the same thing and it's a great thing to have to deal with, but it's like, Hey, I'm an artist. For my, boom, the guards go up immediately. Like, yeah. why are you using me? Why are you talking to me? Probably wouldn't talk to me. She has to feel that way. All artists have to feel that way. A hundred percent. And I just decided It's a baller that move, not telling her. I was like, smart. I'm here for her, and I want her to feel like I am... And I was. I felt so rejuvenated. And I've told her many times, we're really good friends. And I've been like, you really did help me fall back in love with music. It was totally not... Uh, there's a there's a guitar player in town that's a really good friend and we've played together for a long time and he's the guitar player on everything that that is out right now pretty much he's a session guy his name's Derek Wells I'm sure you know him and I remember crying to him one day because he's like a big brother and he was like the moment that you decide to let your mind switch and understand that you're going to get from A to B but it might not be the straight line that you want and it may twist and turn and go up and down, but you're gonna, you're gonna still get there. And I'll never forget him telling me that. And that was why I took the job with Lucy because I was like, it keeps me in music and it keeps me out of nannying and it keeps me out of Airbnbs. It's funny you saying people said, "Hey, go home," because one of the I like to read a lot of biographies of people that that are in my profession that, are, that do comedy and some they write comedy, they perform stand up comedy, they and I remember. Him saying, you know, they told me I wasn't funny. I wasn't good enough. Really famous comedian. And he was like, I took that as my badge of honor because everybody that's ever been really good has been told you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. He said anybody he had ever talked to from the biggest stand-up comedians, the biggest TV hosts, the biggest ever, had been told you are not good enough. And when he finally got his, it meant there was something so different about what he was doing that he was like, okay, I got my badge now. Wow. Now it's time for me to go out and... Now I'm one of the rest. Right. I've been told. Then there's also I, I read Amy Schumer's book. I like to read, mm-hmm. and she was like, you know, because she tried forever and couldn't make it. Couldn't make it. Amy Schumer is you know huge, hilarious. hilarious. And she was like, you know what? When I finally stopped caring that I cared is when it started happening. When I stopped caring about being so strategic about every single little thing. Or she said, every little thing. <laughs> I see what Thank you, you do. Yeah. Actually, I wasn't doing that. but uh, and, and those two things stick with me a lot. I, I can really identify with that because, you know, something I've learned is Nashville goes in cycles. And when I moved here, you were almost penalized for being a female as oh, soon you mean, as you walked in the door. And you mean you are again. Yeah. <laughs> here you we know? are again. Woo! <laughs> Although it is getting better. 
100%. It's better than it was a year ago and in a year to be better than it was this year. Right. Yeah. Back when I moved here, it was no, no, no females. And what I do is definitely uh, a little bit of a throwback to the late 90s and early 2000s women. I, I really want to step into that just being the female that you think of when you think of country music. I just, that's who I want to be. And for so long, people told me, you're kind of, you kind of missed your mark. You, you, you sound too old. You're that, that era has already passed. And so even I tried to start chasing what was on the radio and I can hear it in my songwriting and I can hear it just as things have evolved when I went back and just did what I do, you know, it, it, you can't, fake authenticity how did you eat for so long like when I mean, you were just doing music yeah so you you work in a banana republic mm-hmm. you're singing background i mean was it just odd job as you continued to try to find yeah your spot as being you really yes I, and i feel like each time you know i would i would sing different gigs i would do listening room rounds and they pay you for those they give you tips or you can sell burnt cds so i would just sell these cheap cds that i burnt myself at home that honestly would sometimes I'd make enough money to be like oh wow okay this is good between this and and you know Airbnb or nanny and um, I'll be okay and I feel like for some reason I, I did corporate events and those would help and I just did so many different odd and things and was really uh, didn't have any pride at all and was like, I just said yes to everything because at the end of the day it was a paycheck and you gotta eat yeah and you gotta eat in a place where you can make music or, mm-hmm. you, or you move back. What if you move back home? What would you have done, you think? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I didn't I didn't go to college at all, and so that scared me. Did you end up getting a high school equivalency? I did. Yeah? I got a diploma in the mail. From Phoenix High School? From, it was called <laughs> Keystone National High School. Oh, they don't make University of Phoenix High School? <laughs> Keystone? Oh, I have a lot of friends who graduated from Keystone. Right? Yeah. Uh, let me talk about Blue Apron for one second. Because I do the show from my house, like we talked about earlier, Things like Blue Apron, who's an awesome sponsor of the show, are are literally under the same roof. Blueapron.com slash BobbyCast. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash BobbyCast. The box comes to your door. It's pre-portioned ingredients, fresh, high-quality ingredients. Affordable, too, for less than $10 per person per meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. A lot of variety. Choose. There's a lot of recipes every week. Or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Recipes are not repeated. You're going to love it. You're going to love it because it's like, what do you have tonight? What do you want to cook? And you have all these options. Guarantee the freshness. BlueApron.com slash BobbyCast. you love how good it feels, how good it tastes. Again, the ingredients. They're not all equal. Fresh. That's what Blue Apron's all about. BlueApron.com slash BobbyCast. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. Okay, so we're going to take a huge leap because I wanted to talk about the struggle first, Mm -hmm. and that's part one. Part two, I want to talk about something called radio tour. So again, something that people that listen to the radio or follow really on social media, they really don't know it because it's not something that's talked about. Right. Not that anybody hides it. It's just kind of boring. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about radio tour. We're jumping way ahead from the struggle to the success of the song to you get signed at Big Machine to okay, now what? Mm -hmm. And so they say, okay, we're going to start this radio tour. How do they describe a radio tour to you? How did they describe it? Yes, how did they describe it to you? Um, I Just that I was going to go and meet a lot of radio people and and kind of 
introduce myself is pretty much how it was explained to me. Now, I knew what a radio tour was. Because you've had, had friends do it. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget, I had a few, I'm close to a couple girls, uh, female artists, and they were like, we promise you, after radio tour, nothing is as grueling as that. And I remember thinking, uh, I'm pretty competitive. And so I thought, I'll be fine. Like, it's not, I, I can do that. You know, I've worked so long, I can handle that. And it is, so many people think, oh, your song just magically appears on the radio. And it's awesome, but they don't see those, uh, you know, 3 a.m. lobby calls that you have to be as a female dressed and ready to go and have a full day and be on. And, it and, is unfair you're a female. Oh, it's hard. We can't Dukes, just put Dukes a hat can come on. In a pair of jeans, not yeah. shave, and a hat. It, and it, still it, look like an artist. It's, I know. It's really unfair. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, hard. And you're a new artist. Totally. It's not like you're coming to a radio station one that you already have a, one or two hits and it's like, hey, oh, look, you know, Susie's back. Good right. to see her in a ball cap. Oh, right. look at her. She's one of the girls. Mm-hmm. You really can't be that unless that's your thing. If that's your thing, totally. Right. But it is, it's, I've, I've described it now as you're kind of campaigning yourself. So you have to be your best version of you for that it's Maybe a first date. 20 it's, minutes that you get. It's a first date. It's mm-hmm. like a first date every single time you walk into a radio station. Yeah. So do you remember the first station you went to on your radio tour? <laughs> I do, actually. We started in Kentucky. Oh, so, so had, you went home first. I had great experiences my first mm. week. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Everybody was super excited. Did you they, see Michael Jordan? I, oh, I love him. Yeah, he's, we're close. That's my dude. So you start in Kentucky. That feels good because it's comfortable. Feels and they great. have to be proud of you, right? Because they're like, they're so it's excited. our girl. We're, we're going to play the song. Oh, they that, add that it like good. way before my ad date. I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. Then we start the different, you know, because you go to a different territory and you have a different. You're like doing regions of the country. Yeah. And I was out. I remember, you know, each week I was home maybe at most 24 hours to do laundry and you may a couple days I flew into a city would drive I didn't realize how much I was going to be in a van I mean you know you average in a van four to seven hours a day and then you know three to four stations in there and you have to do a lunch with the radio people and a dinner with the radio people so let's walk through a day then Mm -hmm. so let's say I'm going to put you in a place so you don't actually have to talk about it specifically let's say you fly to California okay they don't know who you are really no so you fly to California and it's a Sunday night, and you started on you starting on Monday. Mm-hmm. So you're probably going to do the morning show at some local station. Mm-hmm. So you're in the lobby, like you said, at three, four in the morning of the mm-hmm. hotel to get to the radio station. Mm-hmm. What do you do? So if I'm already there, we may get to the first station. You know, for the morning show at seven, you're hosting or co-hosting for an hour with the radio people. They let you do that still sometimes live dang, on air. I don't even love people on my show, but they got two or three hits. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out with the with the PD and the MD and yeah. play a couple songs live and do a little interview and take pictures. And they're fast, usually, unless you're doing something like that. But, you know, you're in and out. And uh, you may have... I've had a couple stations where I played for one person. Uh, some you play for the staff. and Like some, in a conference room. Totally. I've had people heat their lunch while I'm singing my ballad uh, in the room that I'm in and the timer goes off and they chew in front of me. (laughs) And so you do that and then you may get in the car and drive two hours and then you do it again and then you may... At lunch. At lunch. And you you may have... Right. Then you may have listeners at your lunch and like a... um, 
a little bit of a show and have a little meet and greet and then lunch with the PD and the MD of that station. And then you may get in the car and do liners from your phone where you're saying, hey, this is Carly Pierce and you're listening to blah. Uh, Then you get to another station and it's in the afternoon. And then usually I would have an evening station uh, and then go to a dinner that could last, you know, till midnight. How are you eating all this food though and staying thin? (gasps) That's why I don't do work dinners. It's so hard. I'm just like, I can't. I have to eat my right food or I don't stay thin. Well, see, and that's, I have my right food too. I'm super healthy. And so that, that in itself, just the adjusting to, I don't have time to work out every day. I don't get to eat. I'm a, I like to cook and I like to go to the grocery store and I like to eat certain things and that goes out the window. You ever try Blue Apron? No. Oh, you should. They're a great sponsor and the ingredients. Right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need Blue Apron. Oh, Blue Apron's great. <laughs> Did you put on the Fresh and 15? No, I just wouldn't let myself. I would bring like bars and, you know, you tried to be as... as conscious as I could just because that makes me feel good and I felt like I was going to go insane if I didn't um but that was hard for me so you would do maybe sometimes three appearances a day mm-hmm. three stations you do as parents drive a few hours parents drive a few hours and you're singing and all these and your adrenaline's going up and down because you got to be on and then be off and then be on because people will ask me why are you so tired when you're off the show because it's not listen my stepdad worked at the mill my like I see I've seen real work and they, people should know when we talk about grueling, what we do is not grueling. Mm-mm. Like people do real work that's grueling. But in our own little creative, like adrenaline, go, I'm on the air at five o'clock and it's like this. Yeah. For five hours, I'm like, ah! Exactly. And when it's off, your whole body's like, <laughs> it just shuts down. People are like, why are you tired? You didn't do anything. You didn't run a marathon. Yeah, my adrenaline was up because I was having to entertain your butt for the last five hours. Exactly. You don't have to say it like that. I can. Cause my, but I like that. That's- yeah. <laughs> But people, like, so then I come home, recharge for a second. And I got like eight other jobs. I'm like writing comedy or writing a book or whatever. So then I go back to bed again. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a thing. It is a performance thing where you do get up high and it, you do crash. It's like a five-hour energy. Yeah. It's like sugar. Totally. You get sugar rushed and you crash. Even my band, I, I watched the two players that were out with me. I watched them go from being so excited and awesome and like, yay, but neither one of them had ever done a radio tour to like, Probably the fourth week, I mean, they were like zombies because they just had no brain. They just would look at me and be like, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing if this is all we're doing and we're like this. Well, you have a golden light at the end of the tunnel if mm-hmm. yours works. Like a big old golden light. Mm-hmm. So you go, how long does Radio Tour last for you? How many weeks? I did, I think, 11. Wow. Yeah. It was. Do you have any idea how many radio stations you went to? You know what? My drummer kept a spreadsheet, and the last I heard, we, and this was maybe at week nine, we had visited 93. That's crazy. Yeah. We averaged, like, I had a lot of problems even, you know, I had never flown like that, so my ears for three weeks, I was trying to figure out why I felt like I was underwater, and I couldn't get well, and that was super frustrating, but we were averaging, you know, 12 days in a row in an airplane. I'd never experienced that before. You don't even think about what travel does to your body, and then singing without a microphone a lot of times you're singing over players and your voice gets raspy and it was interesting wow you did over 90 stations huh mm-hmm. that's a good radio tour they they didn't joke and that means your label also paid the money for you to move around because that doesn't happen a lot either where right. where because that's also a blessing that your label paid money because that costs now listen so much you got to pay it back sort of 
You don't have to pay it back, but if you make that money, it goes back to that pot yeah. right there. But they're paying for it up front. Yeah. And you, you get to take players out. Like, that's actually a really cool thing. I've, and that's that's been my other thing, and not to be cheesy, but it's like, it's the best kind of exhaustion I've ever had in my life. Like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. I'm super grateful to be doing it. But it was it was hard. That was that was boot camp training for the Country Music Olympics. How many of the program directors were white and over 45? Percentage-wise. Mm, man, 70. Yeah, probably more than that. You just don't want to say, I'd say like 98.5%. Oh, man. So, okay, you do... You're down with the radio tour now, as of right yes. now. Yes. When did you finish? I finished, I mean, really, I have one more visit this week even. So I finished probably two weeks ago, but I still am doing like a couple. Did you guys do the, hey, we're done? Did your band go the whole time with you? They did. Man, how they about did. that? Yeah. And they, when we started, it was going to be, I think, six or seven weeks. And then we ended up, you know, they add more and I'm... I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, and just wanted to do it so that I could have the best chance of meeting as many people because it is so much. They want to meet you, and they want to have that. Sometimes they'll penalize you if you don't meet them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and like you don't have to say about this. It's a dirty political thing. This the the whole world of music and just entertainment. It's not even music. It's not even just radio. It's just entertainment. It's a very political. If you don't show me that you like me, then I don't like you. Mm -hmm. It's very second grade. Like, will you go with me? And if you say no, I don't want to go with you anyway. Totally. Yeah. So, and again, being a female would just make it that much harder. Because mm-hmm. you have to go in and light up the room. Yeah. You have to You have to have the presence. A guy can be mysterious. He can go in and be mysterious mm-hmm. and quiet and mm-hmm. play his music. If you did that, they'd be like, what a bee. I think so. Yeah. No, not I think so. I know so. Yeah, I'm sure that it's you It's an unfair environment. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. Oh, so eleven. Congratulations! That's a good, mm. you, you get a high five on, on eleven <laughs> weeks. That's, that's a that's a grind. So you go and you finish your radio tour. So now, like, what do you do now? Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm transitioning. I've been joking that it's just radio tour part two, but it's doing radio shows, which are fun. Oh, that's a good thing to bring up because that's something too. Yeah, it's like you go back. It's kind of like you go and you say hi and then you come back and you do shows and you may, you know. For free though. I'll say it. You got to go for free and play. And every artist has to do it. And and I'm not, this is not a you thing or any artist or any radio station or company. Listen, I work for the biggest company in the whole world. Mm -hmm. So we do it too. Radio shows are like, hey, We'd love for you to come play our radio show. Show would be cool if you did. And if you do, we might like you a little more. Like that. Oh, radio. That's so annoying. So you have to go play for free. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a thing. So now you're playing radio shows. So now I'm doing that. Yes. Oh. Uh, but I will say it's so much better for my brain to be able to know that when I fly into this town, that's the only town and the only radio station that I'm going to see for the whole day. It's a promotion for sure. Yeah. Radio tour to radio show is a promotion. Oh, I'm I'm happy going to the airport smiling now. Ah, oh, forget about radio show. Oh, yeah. That's such a good thing. to. And people that listen to this, so if your radio station's having a show and there's like six artists, four artists, they usually don't pay those artists. I mean, the artists go in and it costs money for you to do it. Mm-hmm. And they don't pay you. But again... This is not complaining. We don't. We wouldn't complain in the real world. We only get to complain in our bubble of right. Of, and people that listen to this are in the bubble for sure. Mm-hmm. So you go and you're doing radio shows now. Yes. Oh boy. So 
but here's the thing too. You're the only one that doesn't get paid. Everybody else in your band gets paid. Oh yeah. Like they get all, they all get paid. Uh-huh. My touring entity gets yes. them paid. You don't get crap. Uh-uh. But again, you're the one with, you, you're doing the investing. Yeah. And the, you're, you're looking for the big investment in the end. Yeah. You're looking for the, you know, to start getting paid big money to do mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. Man, how about that? Radio show? How many radio shows do you have? Do you know? Oh gosh. I don't know. I just, I try to look at it week by week so that it doesn't overwhelm me. But uh, quite a few. How about that? Mm-hmm. I didn't think about radio show. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Those things suck, man. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. You don't have to say it. They suck. And I, sometimes, I, I mean, we have them here. The good thing, well, sometimes I'll go to radio, my station's shows. Mm-hmm. If I, I'm on the road every weekend, though. Like, for me, it's really tough because I'm on the road every weekend doing right. stand-up or sometimes playing with the band, my stupid band. But... If I have a weekend off, like I'll go to WMZQ or DC, my DC station, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go up for that because that's a huge radio show. It's Lady A and Kelsey, who I'm close to, mm-hmm. so that obviously influences it a bit. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: this the big stations can do; they can attach their name to a show, like Lady A and Kelsey and Brett are all getting paid because that's a tour that goes through. Like they're getting paid, right? Yeah, you're not getting paid. That sucks. All mm-hmm. right, I'll get off that. Whew. But just to be fair, when you're coming out with me. I, you're getting paid. I am. You're getting Yay! paid. Yay! And that's going to be so fun. And, and that's, you know, the things that I get to look forward to as And life as... is easy on the road with me. <sighs> you get theaters. your own dressing rooms in theaters and Ooh. air conditioned. And it's oh, the people are awesome. I'm excited. So, okay. Man, radio tour, radio shows. But then it's like, you know, you talk about Brett and Kelsey and Lady A. They all had to do it too. So oh, you yeah, look yeah. at it and it's like it's just part of the... Sit. Kelsey's radio tour, though, she was lucky because she went with us. Mm-hmm. And she just opened for the Raging Idiots mm-hmm. and got to go meet PDs when she was in front of us. Mm-hmm. You're almost like, although we're just a few years difference in age, you're almost like a grandkid. Mm-hmm. Because Kelsey was like my kid. And you opened for Kelsey for a while. Yep. Kelsey's not even my kid. That's weird to say. But she was our opener, <laughs> like our, our baby act right. for a while. That's And then you went on there with Kelsey. Oh, I love Kelsey. Yeah. That's funny. I like it. I don't like the grandkid thing. Because you're older than Kelsey, too. That's, I know. They just It's a total Arkansas-Kentucky thing. <laughs> where all the relatives are different ages, they should be. So, okay. So now we're going to go to the um, the question you're going to get asked all the time. But I think it's good. You can talk about it long form a little bit. Because I also don't know the answer to it. So this song here. Every little thing I what is it really about? Like, what's the story behind this song? I've heard your stuff on the radio. Like, on the verge. Hey, you know, this song is about somebody sucks here it is <laughs> so I'm like I've heard those things but like like I want to know like what made you write it like what was the tipping point in your life where I'm like I'm gonna write a song and what's it about just give me the whole thing okay um, it is about a guy who oh. broke my heart really good yeah how long ago uh, that's what's funny probably four or five years ago he's married hmm. has a family we how weird for his wife huh I don't know I don't know if she's ever heard it I don't know if he's heard it we, ne- we have never Spoke since. You didn't even like Insta stalk him to see if he put up a post like, I got a song about me on the radio. I mean, I think I'm a female, so obviously I've Insta stalked, but no, he has never posted. I think he's happy. I'm happy. And He live in town? No. Oh, he got lucky there. Woo. What was he Was he in town though when you guys were together? Yeah. You don't have yeah. to say I'm not even going to put you in that word spot. Yeah. Don't worry. But he was. Mm-hmm. He has to. Like, you should send out like a <laughs> carrier pigeon somehow third person to go, hey, there's a song about you on the radio. Like a little bit you want them to know, right? Just a little, like selfishly. I mean, of course. Yes, yeah, you do. Yeah, of, of course I do. We're all humans. Yeah. We can act like we don't, but we're all human yeah. beings. Yeah. I think he probably does. He listens to country music. He's not dumb. Okay, so, oh, and also, now that you're like, because you're going to have a hit, this song. Like, 
But now, look at what he missed. Like, a little bit, too. It's like, hey. And, I mean, let's take it a step further. Kind of the reason that we we didn't see eye to eye was because he didn't think I was going to make it in country. Oh. You know? He wanted me to move. Now there's a song about him. It's the first one. So I'm like, thank you for the song. Man. Okay, I, okay. That guy, I was totally in love with him. And when he broke up with me, it really was, like, earth shattering and there were nights that I really didn't think I was going to be able to take another breath I mean it was that kind of pain that I had never experienced and this song even from a melodic standpoint I remember very rarely does this happen but my producer Busby uh, we had been talking about how I really needed a haunting ballad and so we went into this right with one of my dear friends that I've been writing with since I moved to town Emily Shackleton and we knew that she would get it. And it fell out in 45 minutes because it was so real. Did you cry during the song? After. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I did. It's common for emotional songs to have that almost, I guess, went through that experience again. Yeah, and it was almost like final. I don't know. It, once it was in a song, it was kind of like, okay, that was that's me closing the chapter on that person even though... Wow, I gave you closure, huh? Yeah. Unexpected me, too, I bet. Yeah, it was a weird feeling. I remember hearing it back and kind of being like, wow, if I ever thought for a second that it wasn't done, it's done. Okay, well, tell me about the song though. Like, I want to okay. know like, like what happened, like what's it about? Like I've heard it a bunch, but yeah. normal people, I'm going to tell you, can I try to say as normal person as possible? Mm-hmm. I don't listen to music before it comes out. Mm-hmm. I try not to get too deep into lyrics mm-hmm. a lot of times because I know normal people are just listening and singing along. Mm-hmm. They don't really listen to lyrics that much, but just kind of a little bit, like mm-hmm. 60%. So, like, what are you saying in this song? There aren't a lot of a, a lot of lyrics in this song. It kind of repeats itself a lot because I feel like you... I wrote it from this place that I was going through of kind of being trapped in this person's memory and being like, I cannot forget every part of you in my life. And, you know, laying in bed at night and seeing these images burned in my brain that were haunting me and... I didn't know if I was ever going to forget it, but then it's like this roller coaster of I wanted to forget him, but then I didn't want to forget him because then that made it completely done. And I didn't hate this person when we broke up. So there was, there was a lot of good that was in that relationship. So it was me dealing with the fact that he was gone, but also dealing with, I had a lot of fond memories of him too. I hear this again. Hold on. I know this part. So haunting. Sad. Have a drink of water. The scent that you left on my pillow. The what? The sand? Scent. Oh, the scent. I always thought it said sand. The sand? Yeah, I'm like, what you got? The beach? <laughs> Went That's to what the I'm beach? saying. As humans? <laughs> We don't Google lyrics. We just... I'm all, I was always like, the sand? I was sand like, oh, they must... That's really what I thought the lyric was. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Awesome. But see, you're, this is cool because this is like... I'm like a normal person. It's like close it. as you can be to it. Mm-hmm. The sound of your heart be with mine Look in your eyes like a window The taste of your kiss soaked in wine Positive, like, go away song. Yeah, it. 
I, I wanted it to be, it's a positive heartbreak. It's, yeah, it's a positive. It, like all the great things about I never thought person. of it like that until you said that you didn't, let me listen to the song again. Well, now I feel different about it. Well, I feel like especially female artists get pegged as just man bashing, heartbreak, writing songs. And this is a song about somebody that I loved. And if you, it's me tracing back all these positive things about this person and, and the memories. And I really sonically think Busby nailed it because we wanted it to have this uncomfortable space in between each lyric, uh, in between each memory, I guess, uh, because those are the moments that are uncomfortable and, and you're dealing with them and they, they really do burn in your brain. This guy, <sighs> let's just call him Herm for a Herm. second. I mean, like, I just wonder what it would be like to be Herm <laughs> because here he is living his life, breaks up, you guys split up, whatever. He broke up with you, break up with him. He broke up. Okay. Good. Makes the song even better. Mm-hmm. More pain. So, he breaks up with you. Marries the other girl. Mm-hmm. Breaks up with you because you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. Mm-hmm. Carly's never going to make it. Now, he's living his life. Here's a song about him that's kind of positive. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, now I wonder, what does his wife do for a living? Do you know? Like, what kind of job she kind of has? I actually don't know. Are you prettier than her? She's pretty. Would you... Do you th- would you say she's prettier than you? I would say she's a very, very pretty girl. Nah, and that, I need that, to see uh, this. But, oh, it was, it was, I was like, wait, she's did really he, wait, pretty. Did he leave you for her? Yeah. <gasps> oh. I mean, like, didn't leave me for her, but like. Was she ma- the next one? He was, she was the next one. Oh, are you sure he wouldn't leave you for her though? Like, are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. I got lots of questions now. And then if I'm her, I'm like stalking you. I don't know. I'm like, is she trying to get him back by putting this song out? Like, is he going to start feeling in our, do they have kids? Mm-hmm. Are these kids really ours? That's right. I try to think everything. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen to this. That's like a Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> all from this song. So, okay. All right, all right. Hmm. How about this though? Now on the other end of it, you're not married. You no. have a boyfriend at the current time? Mm-hmm. Okay. You, just, let's just say, I don't know if you do. You, know, you say you do, but I don't put you in a weird place. Let's just say you have a boyfriend, okay? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically. Okay. You're, you're dating Frankie. Okay. Frankie, I like What it. about Frankie having to date you? Why well, you got a song about another dude? That's got to be weird. Definitely weird for Frankie. Oh, uh, that would be crazy. Because <laughs> anytime yeah. you're doing anything, you're talking about it. Of course. I mean, you know, it's an awkward thing to have a song that obviously was very real. I can identify with it. It was a real thing. Oh, as a dude, I'm just going crazy right now. If I, if it was another, if I was dating a girl and she was like, I got a song about another dude and she's talking about it all the time. Oh, Carl, you're killing me. I know. Fra- poor Frankie. Frankie. I need to talk to Frankie. I know. Okay. It's, it's hard. Uh, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but I think the, this is, this is the most personal and I guess just uh, vulnerable song that I've ever released and hearing people's stories and just makes me understand everybody goes through heartbreak and, and I feel like a vessel of just really bleeding out my heart to people and you know it, it's definitely uncomfortable for me sometimes because Man. it's so real look at you Herm Frankie you got everybody it's like all of them just one big happy family <laughs> <laughs> wow I was um, listening earlier to some of your bluegrass stuff oh no no what were you yeah 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 I was because I was up and I was like because we know each other. We kind of know. I remember the first time I saw you, uh, I was at the listening room. You were playing with Phil Barton, who's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We wrote a kid song together. Mm-hmm. I can't even sing. And I sing in a band. And it's like, 
I love that song. When I grow up, like, it makes me like emotional. I don't know why. It's just really sweet. <laughs> I really love that song. I appreciate that. You're when my I biggest fan. Up. I think. With that, wow, that's really nice of you. No one's ever said that before. I mean no no it. adult has ever said that. To oh, us. it just takes wow. me to a place. I've told Phil that before. Thank you very much. So, first time I ever saw you was at the listening room, and I remember sending you a message like, "Hey, you're really good. Like, holy crap, that was really good." And then next thing you know, pow. Here she is, Carly Pierce, singing about her. I mean, let's listen to this bluegrass here. Lord. You realize I'm 15 here. No, I did not know I that. I just feel like that needs to be said it before need to it be comes said. out. Yeah. It's even better. Wow. <laughs> it's my fi- little Christmas nightmare. This is called Old Time Religion from uh, Carly Pierce, 15 years old. Washboard there? I think someone is. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. You know what? Not that bad. I'm going to tell you. You can tell you're trying to sound... First of all, it's not bad at all for a 15-year-old. You can tell you're trying to sound a little older. Oh, yeah. But you had a pretty deep voice even as a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes I listen to that and I'm like, Mom... How did you think I could nah, sing? Nah, <laughs> you could sing. Let me see. Let me see. Let me, let's see. How about... Daria? Do you know... Here's the thing about you that people say all the time. Because I have a lot of friends here. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't have a lot of friends. I know a lot of people here. Mm-hmm. I stay hidden most of the time. But I have a few people I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, you know what? We really are rooting for her because she's been uh, she's been grinding for a long time. Like, that's generally... In, uh, just being as honest as possible. That's what everybody says. Like, we, we really want something great to happen to her mm-hmm. because she's just been grinding forever and that's the best reputation you can have it's i really do feel like the town has wanted to see me find my way and acknowledge that this isn't you know a lot of people i just are hearing me th- for the first time so they think oh i just moved here and poof poof like every really thing long happened. overnight success yeah but it's it's you know i always looked up to chris jansen's story i remember just listening to him and when buy me a boat came out and i remember you playing it and just being like wow okay i'm not you know that took him a really long time yeah Yeah. and it's just cool to have people come up to me and and just acknowledge that i've been here for a really long time you know when you're telling your story about lucy it reminds me of uh craig campbell who's a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and who's come out and played with the idiots and I just I just like that guy a lot but he's really good mm-hmm. he's so good he's so good he's yeah. so good it was a similar story of you with Lucy he was playing keys for Luke and he yeah he I played did keys. not know that you should listen wow. to Bobby Cast. it's really good this is a whole series of shows we do it's fantastic um, I've listened like, to like we make our listen <laughs> if you haven't listened to all 60 hours of it you are a failure but he tells a story Luke was like dude you're too good whoa yeah he's like go go be a, you have to be an artist wow and he's like Luke fired him because he was, he knew he was, he wanted to be an artist. Wow! And he didn't tell him. Mm-hmm. But he was like, "You have to go, go, run along, go, spread your wings and be an artist." That's so, crazy. But the Jansen stories, the 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 Craig Campbell story. I mean, man, there's there's a different. The, the similarities are that you're a grinder and I'm on grinder. Perfect. I, yeah. I figured that. <laughs> um, wow, this has been really cool. I thought I didn't think we would go an hour, and you made it. You made an hour. <gasps> I can talk a lot. I don't think it's you can talk a lot. You have you have a story. It's just cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a like a like a you're gonna make it. You know. I hope so, and I hope that when people just hear thing. my music and hear my story and come and see me live, that they see that this is really all I've ever wanted, but that I've 
worked really hard for it. And but I can also show you, and not to be cheesy again, but you can do anything. You really can if oh, you yeah. really. I'm a perfect example of that. I mean, it's just I'm the least talented guy. No, it's just about work. You just gotta stay in the game. Jesse Alexander uh, is a songwriter in town. She's written, you know her. She's written a million songs, and I was crying in an ASCAP girls group where I met Kelsey when we were babies. And she looked at me and she said, "If you hang in this town long enough, it'll give you something back." And I never forgot that either. Yeah, she's cool. I talked to her, Mike. I talked to her like two days ago. We should get her in here. Mm-hmm. I just saw her. We were on a board. We're on one of these. Fancy pants boards t- yes. together, and I'm not on any boards. Mm-hmm. I've always stayed away from any sort of board because I don't want to be in the machine. Mm-hmm. But I'm on one. I like it because of the charitable part, the side right. of it. So I was like, you know what? I think I can help in in that. And her and I have. That's kind of where we bonded. Yeah, she's awesome. She's great. She's so good, and she was right. I mean, I the Lucy thing, and then I had the song with Josh Abbott, and then it was like, you know, your name is still written on my board. Because I don't ever, I don't ever wipe my board off. Like literally, your name is still written on. My, and I think about it in green marker. Yeah. Mike, did you know that? In my office, we walked in there and wrote on your board. I wasn't. I was on the road. You weren't one there. Day. What else mm-hmm. is new? But I was on the road. Yep. And and I know Josh because Josh used to come into my studio in Austin. Got it. And so he would come play my show because I was on um, like thirty pop stations. Right. But I bring country artists in all the time. That's ended up, ended up being what got me here because mm-hmm. they were like, "Well, if you like country so much, why don't you go do it?" Yeah. So Josh would come and play my show. And so, yeah, and then you said, I forgot you sang on that song with them too. Mm-hmm. Just, I went from the backup singer to the duet partner to. How, okay, let me, this is, oh, I'm, I know I'm running over. Mike, give me like five minutes, okay? I got, <laughs> we're talking honestly here. Because I have, a, I have friends who have been in duets mm-hmm. that have been successful and they're like, dear God, get me out of this. Because mm-hmm. they're like, it's a great and I was happy for it, but I kind of like to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I think because I was so searching for opportunities to, get my name out there and he really and his band so much made that song about trying to get my name out there I feel like he really was a great duet partner a great experience we got to do so many things that I never thought I was going to get to do and he really there was he was so selfless about it of being like you need to go listen to this girl she's going to have her time da 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 it was great that's really cool yeah he I will always be grateful I wonder if the song would have been if it would have been like a hit if you'd have hated it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That would have been miserable yeah. if I would have... Because we, we met after... How did, get together? How did you guys get together, by the way? I'll tell you the really fast story. Singing at Whiskey Jam four years ago. He was there. I knew nothing about Texas country except through Casey. And he messaged me on Twitter. Three years later, sent me this song and was like, Hey, I think you're the right voice for this. Next thing I know, he needed it in like three days. I go sing my part, send it to him. And the first time that we met, sang the song, and I jumped on their bus was all... I went to the Houston uh, Stampede and met him, sang it, and jumped on the bus for two weeks. Wow. Yeah. But it ended up being great. But that's how that happened. Just singing in Whiskey Jam and he heard me. And you got to meet radio people with him. Yes. Like, that was a thing. That was a cool thing. Yeah. Again, these experiences where I'm in the room, but it's not me that's front and center. Because that's how I remember you. That's the only way... Mm Honestly, I was like, Carly Pierce, I know her from her name on board, which was with Josh. And I knew when you did the song with Josh. So, yeah. Yeah, funny how things work out, huh? Never know. Uh, okay, well, good luck with life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, you know, these things live forever, so it's kind of hard to talk about anything in real time. But if you do hear this in the next couple of months we put it up, 
like come out to a show because Carly will be playing. She's the featured musical performer of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. It's fun. I'm glad you were, it was a whole thing. It was like, they were like, who do you, cause we had, we had Walker. I'm such a big Walker fan. He's so good. For like, you know, but before it was cool to be a Walker fan, I was a Walker fan. Right. And I don't even know if it's cool now to be a Walker fan. I just am a Walker fan. And so I was like, hey, like six months before this stand-up tour, I was like, hey, dude, come on tour and do every date with me. We'll do 20, then we do 24 dates. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, well, then in that time, people started like, whoa, this, first of all, Walker can write his brains out. Like, yeah, he's he such a great, too many words sometimes for me, because I'm like, dude, how many words you can put in this little line here? Because <laughs> we've written together, Walker and I've written together. But uh, Walker has to go now. Walker's going to go and do a real tour with mm-hmm. T-Rep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were like, okay, who do you want? And I was like, you know what? I think I want Carly. Let, let's see. And so we went for my, I remember texting you be like, hey, do you know anything? And you were like, nope. Do you know anything? Yeah. We're like, nope. We, neither one of us know anything. <laughs> Maybe we're going to. And so I'm glad it was able, we're able Me to work Me too. It out. I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. You will have fun. There'll I be a point where you're like, man, I wish I was getting paid more. Nah. But no, no, you will. I, I did, <laughs> always honest with me. But um, it'll be the best environments. Yeah. Cause I'm excited. Walker left and he was like, dude, this, this is the greatest I've ever played. Oh, that's awesome. Because the, pe- just the people that come out are just awesome. If, um, from now until, I don't know, whenever we stop this thing. Um, but Carly will be doing shows for the next couple months after, and in between doing radio shows. Yep. Yay, yay. But it's really good to uh, have you up and good luck. And Thank you. I'll see you out. I'll see you soon. And people will see, we'll see each other on Insta. I don't know. It's weird because at least Walker was here. Like we were already on the road together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good luck. Thank you. Next time you come in, you have to have like three. To get a second time, you got to have like three hits in the middle. Okay. All right. So after the third time, you have had to listen to every Bobby cast because we will quiz you. I'll, I'll go back. I'm going to do my homework between then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. All right. Bobby quiz. Uh, we're going to go um, Carly Pierce and uh, download every little thing. I mean, you can stream it if you want. I'd rather download it because it's not Herm. At least, yeah. Oh, her. Hey, Sweet poor Herm. Guy. Does he live at least in the South? Does he live in the South? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, he'll hear. What up, Herm? He'll hear it. <laughs> but poor, but poor Frankie, man. Oh, Frankie. Poor Frankie. I've been on the. I've been on both sides of this. I've been on this side of dating a girl that written a song. Has written a song about another guy. Mm-hmm. And then same girl, and then her dating another dude with a song about me. Ooh. And. Which I'll tell you which worse. side's more fun. No, okay. no, I don't care about I'll tell you which side's more fun. Okay. After <laughs> I just spit, I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> the second one's way more fun. Because <laughs> you're like, that's a nightmare. I've already sat through that once. Oh, man. Yeah, you always look. Yeah, whatever. All right, uh, we're going to go. Um, Carly Pierce. What episode is this, Mike? 62. All right, 62. All right, at, at Carly Pierce, right? Yeah. C A R L Y P E A R C E. Mike Distro at M I K E D. E-E-S-T-R-O. And uh, again, thanks to our uh, sponsors. And, you know, we're getting millions of downloads now because you guys download it and you tell people about it. And it's crazy that a podcast about songwriting and stories from behind the scenes is, is, is getting so much traction. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, that's it. 62. And we'll see you next time here on the Bobbycast. Bye, everybody.